episode we talked to Kelso of Coinspice about his political and economic awakening. We get his take on Bitcoin and the peer-to-peer cryptos. We also talk about crypto activists and a bunch of other topics. Kelso's definitely running a crypto knowledge full node, so you don't want to miss this one. This show is proudly sponsored by Salamantech's point-of-sale devices and software. Tired of all the headaches dealing with cryptocurrency? You don't know what a private key is? You don't want to deal with exchanges? Well, if you're a business and you just want to run your business without thinking about cryptocurrency headaches, look no further than Salamantex. We provide point-of-sale software that allows you to get paid in fiat currency, that's euros, allowing your customers to pay in cryptocurrency, that's BTC, ETH, and a host of others. Dark Side of the Hoddle Moon proudly uses the audio services of Eye of the Sound. Beyond the amazing sound production, they've really been a sounding board, pun intended, for our show, giving us great customer support and constructive criticism and feedback. So if you want a little bit more personalized attention you're not going to get from a bigger provider, check out iTheSound.com. All right, and we're back with another episode of Dark Side of the Hoddle Moon. Josh, how are you doing today? Doing well, Cade. Tomorrow is going to be Block Show uh, Asia. I was going to say Block Show Europe, but actually it's in Singapore. So I'm going to head there tonight and meet a bunch of people. That should be interesting, lining up more guests for the show. How about you, Cade? What's going on? Uh, I'm just uh, same old thing. You know, you're drinking coffee. I'm drinking a little uh, Willy Super Brew, a little um, adult beverage. But uh, actually, I'm excited about what we're doing right now. So, uh, we have a pretty interesting guest. He's actually usually the crypto host asking the questions, but we've kind of flipped the script and we're going to be asking him the questions today. So without further ado, our guest today is Kelso from Coinspice. Yeah, welcome. Okay, Josh, what is really going on? Great, great, great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing the show. Thanks for taking the time. So we usually ask our guests the same question to start out. So how did you get into crypto? It's kind of a circuitous route, I guess, as it is the case with, with most people. But I started off as a, as a real skeptic. I come out of the libertarian, kind of crankier side of free market uh, philosophy, um, skeptical of state power and so on. And writing about these subjects for a while with the Foundation for Economic Education, Libertarian Institute, a couple things for antiwar.com. And, I, you know, I, I was encouraged. It sounded interesting. But if you're familiar with sort of the libertarian uh, milieu in the U.S., it's filled with these kind of, you know, this is it. We're going to do it. Seasteading, you know, all these different things that are supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Bitcoin kind of flew along those lines. And so I was initially pretty skeptical of it. And then... I think it was Jeffrey Tucker, who then was at the Mises Institute in Alabama, which is a, another free market think tank that's on the crankier side of things. Um, he started writing about it uh, a little bit more laudatory, and that caused me to 
maybe around 2013, 2014-ish, uh, to take it a little bit more seriously. And then uh, got a hold of some coins uh, through a friend and the blockchain dot, uh, I guess it was dot info back then, um, wallet, and away I went and down the rabbit hole. And I've, I've not really emerged since. Nice. So when did you first hear about it? You kind of heard about it, but you kind of ignored it for a while, maybe a few years or? Yeah, I go back to the Free Talk Live. Again, this is going to keep getting pretty incestuous. Uh, Free Talk Live, which is a part, um, or I guess was a part of the uh, Free State Project in New Hampshire, which again is part of this uh, libertarian culture um, in the U.S. And I listened pretty regularly and there were all these you know, um, advertisements, Roger Veer was on there. I, I remember, um, and it just, it just clicked. Like it, it seemed to me to begin to make more and more sense as I heard about sort of the basic properties. And, um, I, I'm not sure exactly when I read the white paper cause I've read it so many times, but I know that when I looked at it, I, it was like reading, you know, French. It was, it was extremely foreign to me. Um, I couldn't really kind of figure it out. And then through conversations and, and, uh, the Byzantine generals problem, double spending, um, all that good stuff, it, it began to sort of settle into place for me. So. Okay. So I, it's safe to say that you kind of came at it where you learned about it, like through like libertarianism and like maybe like Austrian economics, which I think is true for a lot of people in the space. Right. Yeah, and the Austrians, they, 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 ironically enough, rem and I should say neo Austrians, uh, remain, you know, fairly skeptical. So, uh, be, uh, I guess Bitcoin is, is considered a fiat currency, um, if they even will say it's a currency, but it's not backed in the traditional sense that, say, gold is. And there's, you know, there's many, many, many shades of this debate, but, uh, that was at least their first criticism. And, that it was measured and rooted in USD. So in other words, how we, how we, the, the metric for, you know, Bitcoin's viability was in the, the greenback, which, you know, certainly didn't endear itself to, to me about the project. So I'll say you're seeing this thing has value because it's valuable in fiat, which is filthy, you know, dirty <laughs> currency, uh, according to our philosophy. So it, it anyway, but yeah, uh, certainly out of the Neo-Austrians, um, I, I emerged, but there's a definite split and I was first on the side of uh, extreme skepticism and saw this as kind of another like, um, e-cash or, or there's, there's a couple different variations on this theme and couldn't mm -hmm. see it at first. But then when Tucker, uh, Jeffrey Tucker, who's now with the, um, American uh, Institute for, uh, economic, uh, research, he, when he sort of took the leap that allowed me some intellectual cover to look at it a little bit more deeply. So, but yeah, for sure. I came out of that, that tradition. Yeah. I was so excited. I asked you my first question is how you got into crypto, but maybe we could back up a little bit. Can you kind of tell me um, where you're born, where you grew up? And I'm kind of also curious, were you always like into libertarianism and, uh, like Austrian economics, or is that something that came in your teens or a little bit later? Uh, the introduction to sort of radical free market economics came by way of a friend who was uh, brought over, and I'm trying to 
trace my skeletal memory here, but he, and, and I don't trust exactly my chronology, but he's a Jew from the Soviet Union. And I believe in the late 70s, early 80s, there was some sort of agreement to bring uh, Jews here to the United States for whatever reason. And so he was born under Soviet rule, came here to the United States, and we wound up becoming friends. And he had this, you know, very thick Russian accent, and everything was very stark and, and, uh, uh, you know, black or white, I give you bread, you give me money. And uh, he was, you know, we're <laughs> roughly the same age, but he had this, you know, nihilistic kind of stereotypical Russian attitude. Uh, just imagine Ayn Rand, but, you know, 20 years beyond. <laughs> and uh, he was, uh, he was, uh, he was just a head kick. And here in, I, so in San Diego's where I grew up, um, you, which is, uh, you know, it, it, in essence, it's the it's the gateway from uh, culturally Latin America. Um, so Mexico is uh, northern, Amer obviously northern American country, but it's uh, you know Spanish speaking. And then so as you as you come up through San Diego, the U.S. border through a quirk of of, of really border law it extends into the country about a hundred miles, give or take. You'll, you'll get some people disagreeing with you, but. Essentially, there are border checkpoints well within California. So it's not just at the port of entry, but as you go on, they can, they believe they have the right to stop you. And there's these giant checkpoints, um, hour and a half, almost two hours away from San Diego proper. And so as we were heading to Los Angeles, so we were on some sort of road trip, which is what young San Diegans were, were prone to do back in the day and still are, uh, it wasn't unusual to <clears throat> be pulled over at the checkpoint and asked to go into secondary as if you were entering the United, even though you were well within geographically the United States to be asked uh, to go to secondary inspection. And, uh, the gentleman I was with is, well, I'll call him Greg. Um, <clears throat> he was, uh, you know, to me, I'm just an American kid. I've got American assumptions, you know, punk rock baseball. Um, you know, the cops are always nice to me. I'm a white kid. Um, you know, I, I don't have any issues, you know, really, you know, male, heterosexual, like everything's working for me, you know? <laughs> so it was the first time I get asked to go to secondary uh, inspection on this side of the border. So hundred miles North of, of the, uh, the border proper. And my friend who we were on the way to Hollywood, or I wanted to show him, you know, whatever. I, I, again, I don't remember the trip. He is shaking. He's, he's visibly shaking. And I thought maybe he was having a seizure or, I looked over and I was like, what's wrong, brother? He's like, are, are, are we being detained? <laughs> I said, now they're just going to, you know, they want to make sure we're not running drugs. This is, this is, you know, quite a while ago and uh, many, many years ago. And so I looked at him like, what? And so the, the, the cop comes over, the, the border patrol agent comes over and he's, you know, asking me standard questions. Where are you from or whatever? It just seemed kind of rote. It wasn't particularly, you know, jarring or anything. He just, you know, again, I'm used to this. I'm, I'm, I'm an American. I'm used to the sort of martiality, the, uh, sort of the macho BS of, of police officers. So I, I never really questioned it. And then as I watched my friend freak out in the front seat, I thought, does, does this dude have a gun on him? <laughs> and, uh, you know, as I'm talking to the cop going, yeah, you know, we're from San Diego, we're headed to Hollywood or whatever I'm telling him. 
my friend begins to, excuse me, are we being detained? Can we go? Is this not the United States? Are you asking? He just starts on this rant. Oh, you know, through me. So he's on the passenger side to this cop. And I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big, you know, supporter of uh, NWA and Ice Cube and all that stuff. And F the police in my car with my windows rolled up in the comfort of my, you know, comfy suburban life. But this dude is straight up like, you know, he's going full on, you know, you're a Nazi. And he's, he's calling him this, this cop this. And the cop's just like looking at me and I'm looking at the cop and I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. And the cop like trying to calm everything down. I said, he, you know, he's from the Soviet Union. He doesn't really, you know, you know, there when you get pulled over by the cops, you disappear, you know. <laughs> so I'm trying to explain it. It's settled situation. So that was my introduction to, you know, going from the comfy confines of the United States is this gated community, essentially. It's, it's buttressed by these, these two oceans. Uh, we don't have to think about the outside world. Uh, you know, uh, this is, this is a luxury and a curse, I guess. And so here the outside world was invading, you know, my, my passenger seat. And <laughs> so that led to a conversation, which led to, you know, as many libertarians will tell you, uh, it usually begins with Ayn Rand. And, uh, you know, I had to read the fountainhead and then the <laughs> Alice shrugged and then, you know, who was her favorite economist? It was Ludwig von Mises. And then you read human action and away you go. And, uh, I think for most most people, it becomes kind of a youthful, mm, I don't want to say indiscretion, but it becomes a youthful pursuit, uh, very idealistic, very black and white. And then most people kind of peel off and they become sensible, reasonable adults and go on with their lives. But uh, I, I did not do that. I, I went even further down that hole and and uh, began to reject statism, the 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 idea of arranging society by way of of uh politics or government um as uh, yeah. uh just fully rejecting but anyways sorry that was a long way to go yeah so, so did that happen i guess in your uh late teens or early 20s yeah or? yeah late late and, teens and, uh-huh. okay and before that were you did you have a different political philosophy or were you kind of like apolitical didn't really care about politics yeah or? jock big baseball player um popular kid you know, uh, apolitical is about right. I carried sort of all the assumptions, got a little weepy at the national anthem, um, love it or leave it. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I was conservative or, or progressive or, or I hate saying liberal cause I'm a neo, I, I'm a classical liberal. <laughs> I don't want to see yeah. the word, but yeah. you know, was it liberal or whatever, but yeah, I was just kind of your, your average mushy kid. And so, um, talking with him, and 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 even going shopping with him so uh there's so many different greg stories i have but just going to the supermarket that i took for granted you know and walking in and he wants toothpaste i want toothpaste i said well do you want crest do you want colgate do you want whitener do you want you know toothpaste and he used to always tell me i stunk and so if you want to get me going crazy there are a couple things that will trigger me and one is telling me that i stink and so finally i turned because i think we were with, around some chicks or whatever he's the worst wingman don't ever take a post-soviet union <laughs> dude as refugee is your wingman to, to pick up chicks it starts out fine and then it turns real dark but uh, anyway he he uh he was the worst wingman he would tell me oh, you stink 
And I was like, man, there are women here. Like, don't say that in front of chicks. What do you mean? I, I smell great. Well, because to him, I had a shampoo or a conditioner on, deodorant. Uh, we wash our clothes. And you, you just you just don't realize, you know, like like how perfumed and, and especially being from Southern California, foo-foo, metrosexual you are. So there were a bunch of realizations I had with this dude. But going shopping, the, the plethora of goods, you know, he, he taught without being doctrinaire he he sort of modeled you know he, he would tell me about the relationship between the state and and you know the individual and it just you know it, without trying he sort of gave me a master's degree in in what turned out to be kind of anarchism really that always yeah. happens it always tends to happen anyway in uh, people that have experienced communism firsthand people that have lived in socialist countries through the realities of it, always come out the other side with a completely different understanding from the way that, let's say, a college campus, American college campus liberal has right. a perception of it. So, yes, that's a really good introduction to, obviously, this kind of ANCAP way of looking at things, so to speak. Um, and then the next logical extension is then how you got into um, crypto, and that was via FEE.org, right? So the... The Foundation for Economic Education. You you were writing there for a little bit. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, Jeffrey Tucker was the uh, the editorial director out there, and he was very encouraging. Um, he wanted to get new voices, uh, what he considered to be younger voices, and uh, gave me a chance to write movie reviews, book reviews, uh, edit, and so I, I took that up. Um, Fee didn't really have much to do with the with the crypto side, but, uh, Tucker is, is kind of the, I guess the linchpin to, to me taking the subject more seriously than I had before and not seeing it as a, a fiat currency that isn't backed and troubles with in, in technical debate, it's called the regression theorem, uh, the Misesian regression theorem, because all money has to be sort of traced back to say a commodity in the case of gold or whatever. And so, <clears throat> Bitcoin seemed to fail that um, on, you know, prima facie, like it just seemed to. So Tucker went in the opposite direction and he gave us kind of permission to examine it as a, as a serious um, currency for the digital age, as he would say. So that's that's really where I I find it. And, and we're just libertarians are just naturally predisposed to anything that even claims to be permissionless. So that that can go really, really well. Uh, or most often not go very well at all. <laughs> uh, but uh, the case of Bitcoin and uh, cryptocurrency, uh, uh, generally, it, it it seemed to just fit perfectly into how I saw the world. Cool. Yeah. So you know Jeffrey Tucker personally, it sounds like. I actually uh, ran into him at Bitcoin Miami last year at the pre-party. He's quite the dancer. <laughs> he can cut a rug. There's no doubt about it. He's He's what we call a dandy. I've met him a few times, lunched with him uh, at various points in my life. He is a he is a, a great benefactor and uh, someone that uh, you know if, if 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 you want the hard hardcore sort of ancap side, your Tucker's not your dude. But if you want kind of a nice you know bridge there, uh, Jeffrey Tucker is is uh, for my money. I, I think the really the best voice out there, uh, but that's really controversial now. But back yeah, then, yeah. He, was, I, he was a leader. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I, I like Jeffrey Tucker a lot. I like his writing. And I remember one article that really stuck out to me. He wrote an article about like a private city in Atlanta that was really eye-opening and I really yeah. enjoyed it. So you were at fee.org and then you also wrote at bitcoin.com? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm a giant fanboy of Roger Veer. And so he and I click on... Um, philosophical levels just immediately and our temperaments are roughly the same uh we don't mind saying like really horrible things <laughs> uh, in the minds of most people and and uh you know just not backing away from it so that's he, he's just this fantastic in, in my way of thinking of the world a uh, fantastic guy and uh yeah that's i i would say probably roger was the biggest influence uh, ultimately on me so yeah got, got a chance um an anarchist friend of mine was working at Bitcoin.com and right around 2017, so the early, uh, maybe mid-2017, when when it was really taking off, uh, they needed more writers. And uh, I never really fancied myself a, a you know, specific you know, genre writer, in other words, just focusing in on crypto exclusively. I love financial technology, but seemed a little too on the nose, you know, but, uh, nothing will change your mind. Like working at Bitcoin.com. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, we were, it w- we went from like maybe 20, 25 employees to a hundred. Uh, the price was doubling, tripling. So I got paid in Bitcoin and, and then Bitcoin cash. And so, you know, I would, I would walk away with, you know, I would, I looked like I was a financial genius to my friends. Um, you know, I was getting paid X and then all of a sudden it was three X more. And uh, yeah, that, that's a fantastic experience. And that's a, a really great company in the space. Yeah, your, your paycheck's uh, growing as the market cap is going up. That's not that's not bad. Um, not bad at all. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm kind of a little bit of a Roger Veer fanboy myself. Uh, I briefly corresponded with him on email when he was looking for like Korean translators for uh, the Bitcoin.com wallet. And Last week, I commented on his Facebook page, and he sent me a dollar Bitcoin cash. So I didn't really care about the dollar, but it was just cool that that, that Bitcoin Jesus sent it to me. For He's sure, actually a really good sure. speaker. He's one of the best speakers out there um, in the crypto circuit. I've seen him live yeah. a bunch of times at various conferences, making good keynote <laughs> speeches. He makes a really good, strong argument for the libertarian case for Bitcoin. Um some people, you know, they don't like the way that he's tied together Bitcoin.com with Bitcoin right. Cash. Some people feel that that's a bit disingenuous because of the way that it's marketed. That He often says that Bitcoin.com, you can get uh, uh, your wallet and then the default is Bitcoin Cash. And then he refers to Bitcoin as Bitcoin Core. So new people getting into the space might not really understand the difference when they go via Roger first. Um, but I do like yep. Roger's overall philosophy, but I think it's important for listeners out there to realize the difference between Bitcoin.com, which is Roger's uh, company that he works for. He's no longer the CEO there, but he still works behind the scenes to promote that company. But uh, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin itself are two different entities. Now, we could get exactly. into the forking debate as well. So that could be the next segue that Cade wanted to get into anyway. So this could yeah, be... Yeah, but good... I, I, real quick, though, I want to get um, Kelso's take. Did you watch the Roger Veer, uh, what was it, Rubini debate? 
Doctor Doom? Doctor Doom in England. Give me a few quick takes on that. Give me like it just seemed like Doctor Doom was just like cursing at him and just had no arguments. But <laughs> um, okay, so some quirks. I I I tend to be more attracted to the bomb throwers just by nature, and so even if they're skeptics and you know they they cuss a lot, I I will probably fall in love with them at some point. And the more brutal they are, the more I tend to be attracted to them. So even if they hate me and they they hate everything and they start calling me names, I just, you know, I just, I don't know why. I just, I just, I gravitate towards them. So Rubini, I've had some affection for, for a while. And I, I thought he made some extremely good points prior to debating uh, Roger. And I, I, you know, really, I think he smashed almost everybody. Um uh, before he got to Roger and really body slammed them uh, with his arguments. Um, I, it, they just didn't seem to have any appropriate comeback. And Roger can be rote. Roger can be sort of mechanical in his answers because he he does it all the time. And, and you know, there's only so much to say and so on. But he hadn't debated in a while, formally debated. And it was nice to see him doing that. But my immediate takeaway was their their disposition like their 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 constitution their their kind of personal gates um R- rubini is a you know disheveled um vulgarian uh he 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 instantly you know reaches for the ad hominem um he's uh he's just nasty just a nasty fellow and that you know obscures his his real concerns uh about the scammy parts of crypto and so it was lovely to see Roger back in that environment because Roger, you know, smiled and laughed and and uh, took the ad hominems and didn't, you know, come back at him. And that's the Roger I know. Like, that's the Roger I've seen for years. And uh, one really sweet part of the debate, which really, to me, tells you everything you need to know about Roger Veer. So let's say you, you hate the guy, like you say, oh, he's, you know, he's pushed this Bitcoin cash, you know, fraud on everybody and Bitcoin.com sucks and Roger's this weird, you know, narcissist or whatever. Watch a, a, an unedited part of that debate at, uh, oh, I've forgotten the name of the, the group now, but a fairly large group um, against Rubini in, in England. Um, at, at about the halfway point, it's clear that Rubini is coughing. He's having trouble getting out his bile, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Roger goes, he exited stage off the dais, grabs two bottles of water, walks over while Rubini is talking and totally invades his space, P- puts a glass down, pours water for Rubini and walks back to his own dais. R- Rubini being the, the complete scourge of humanity that he is and the socialist bastard that he is. Sorry. He doesn't say thank you. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't like, you know, thank you, Roger. And, and you know, you know, you're such a gentleman and chivalrous. He just continues, you know, and sooner or later he, he reaches for the water, you know, or whatever. But that's Roger. Like, that's the Roger I know. Like, he is, again, <clears throat> you're welcome to dislike him, whoever's listening, you know, and, and I get it. You know, I, I've cringed at some of the stuff he said uh, over time, but he, he really, really lives this stuff. So he's not a scammer in the sense of a, of a Rouge One Coin or BitConnect. So using the word with him, again, I put my cards out there. I, I'm a huge fan. 
mislabels him intensely. And I think if you're into crypto, you're doing yourself a giant disservice because you have to grapple with Roger. He's Oh yeah, he's, he's a good guy in, in person, yeah. he's very personable. Um he unfortunately gets caught up in scams inadvertently because there are so many Chinese projects and so many Chinese <laughs> right. conferences that claim he is the keynote speaker or their advisor and he's on the website for these various conferences. Um, I've even sure. been to a couple in in China and in Seoul that are, they're mainly Chinese focused and they use Roger's face as a lure to get people to come. And then he's he's never actually there, but probably he wasn't even aware that he was the keynote speaker. Let's be honest. So yeah, that's that often happens. Yeah, yeah, that that can happen yeah. a lot. Well, Roger's a nicer guy than me because I would have let Doctor Doom have a coughing fit and just laughed about it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyways, all right. Let's talk about uh, uh, the Bitcoin split, and I'm going to ask you maybe a little bit of a different question. I kind of want to do a thought experiment. Because this is something I do myself quite often. Have you ever like imagined or dreamed or thought like, what if the BTC BCH split never happened? Like, how much better it would be? Have you ever done that mind experiment? Yeah, yeah, and and I think the more serious of the uh, Bitcoin Cash supporters have done that, and we we tend to talk about it. Um, I wouldn't say often, but it does come up. <laughs> Uh, for sure. And what you'll hear in uh, what we call apologetics for uh, for BCH and, and forking off in, in uh, summer of, uh, of 2017 is how much time has been wasted, how it, how, it, so I'm not, I'm not going to take a side yet, uh, but the adoption issue was, was thwarted and, you know, how much momentum was lost um, on, on the project as a whole. So, uh, I, you know, and simultaneously, I hold the view that forks are, are freedom, right? So, um, you know, and, and, and at some point necessary when uh, consensus in, in the way that uh, people, I guess, tend to understand it uh, falls apart. So, yeah, uh, for sure. I, I, I don't think an honest Bitcoin cash person or advocate would say, you know, that it didn't hold back the project, Um one way or the other so yeah that's a that's a great question yeah and i think um well a lot of uh bch people also say well like having 50 dollars fees hurt the bitcoin project a lot too before the split because i remember paying about yeah. 50 dollars to move some bitcoin when uh the network was completely congested congested so my follow-up question is i think this is also really crazy people think there's the debates about a lot of different things but btc bch or even bsv Literally, what it really all comes down to is the block size. You ever thought about how crazy it is? It's literally just the block size. That's the, what the whole debate is about. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> so there's the crypto world where all this insanity goes on. And then I have to walk outside of my house with normal people. And they will, because I'm I'm there, you know, like like if there's one priest in your neighborhood, he's the Catholic church to you. So for good or bad or indifferent, if that guy is the greatest guy on the planet, you've got a nice opinion of the Catholic Church. If he's not, you know, and so on. So I'm the Bitcoin guy, you know, in my circles, as I'm sure both of you are in yours. Um, how, how little any of this matters to them. Okay, so how do I get some Bitcoin? Well, do you want 
Bitcoin Core because that has higher fees and slower? Or do you want Bitcoin Cash? Or you know what I mean? And so people, they just tend to look at you like, I, just just give me like the, you know, the crypto thing. Like, like what? But I want to buy a whole one. <laughs> exactly. Man, it's too expensive. I can't spend, I can't, I don't have $9,000 for Bitcoin. Yeah, $9,000 to buy cryptocurrency. Are you nuts? Um, I've yeah, seen this cheap one out there, and look, it's only thirty cents. Shall I buy this Ripple thing? <laughs> no, do not buy that, mate. Yeah, Ripple. we've all gone through that. I'm sure that yeah. all of our, um, you know, we we actually had an episode for newbies. If you're interested, it's called um, Crypto Basics. It's the second episode after our Libra show. So if you're interested and you just think, what are you guys talking about? Go back and listen to that, and you'll be much more informed. So yeah, that's interesting. I think. Um, when it comes to splits, I mean, me and Kate have talked about this for a while um, offline. Um, I might as well talk about it with you because I think that you'd be a really interesting guest to talk to about this. And that's the BSV Bitcoin Cash kind of split. Now, I'm kind of a contrarian person in general. So um, when everyone hated on Trump, I thought that, that was a great sign that Trump was going to win when in the UK... Uh, people were saying we're going to stay in the European Union, and I was like, "That's a brilliant sign that we're going to leave." And one thing that I do that most people don't realize is I actually look at Facebook's um, advertising platform. If you want some data and you want to figure out what people are actually doing and thinking, look at the ad platforms because they've got the most amount of um, depth of research in terms of people's mm. interests and how 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 much uh, you can penetrate that so what i did is pretend to run advertising campaigns um and looking for keywords like hillary clinton donald trump how many supporters were already on facebook who were who were actively supporting them and the numbers were clear that most people were um in the in the facebook ecosystem in the united states more likely to vote for donald trump more uh, more likely and more outspoken in their support wow. of Donald Trump than they were for Hillary Clinton. And then when you looked at the betting line, it was so obvious that the big money, which is the, the big uh, multinational corporations, were all backing Hillary that made it look like she was a favorite. But in reality, the, the people's champ was Trump. So that was an easy bet to make. And the same thing happened in Brexit. So I basically parlayed um, the Brexit and Trump thing into a massive win. And I always think that's a really interesting way of doing things. Now, this, the, the, that was a bit of a tangent of, of saying that I often don't follow mainstream sentiment. And instead, what I do is I look at what people are actually saying themselves. So Donald Trump gets vilified in the media. And I always tell people to at least read a book from the perspective of the person that you're criticizing even if it gets ghostwritten, they have to sign off on it. And also watch a full unedited interview that hasn't been um, clipped and soundbited out. So if you can watch a one-hour section of a person that's been um, interviewed, like a ch in a Charlie Rose type of format, or um, you can read a book, or preferably both, from the person, then you'll get your own perspective on, on what this person thinks. So I was uh, doing that with Trump, and I was also doing that with a guy in the UK called Nigel Farage, who was also mm -hmm. vilified very extensively at the time. And I drew the conclusion that actually, even despite that they are very much hated in the mainstream, there are obviously forces out there in the media that are pushing this, like the big money power wants uh, the UK to stay in the European Union because it's, sure. it's a great vehicle for 
for investment. It's a great investment vehicle. There are so many lobbyists in the European Union. There are more lobbyists in the EU than there are in Washington, D.C. There are more than 10,000... There are more than 10,000 people in the European Union, bureaucrats, that get get paid more than the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, but we don't know who they are. They're all faceless bureaucrats. So this is a great system for, let's say, the revolving door of failed politicians uh, going in to give advice or passing rules and regulations that favour companies or ex-board members going and giving advice in the European Union. So it's much worse than, than it looks, and people don't really understand it. So, I was a big supporter of these two things. Now, this brings me back full circle to BSV. Everybody hates Craig Wright. Everybody thinks (laughs) Craig Wright is a scam. Everybody says Craig Wright is a lunatic. They all say, crazy Craig Wright. Now, I'm in a group of uh, people. I did an ICO in 2018 uh, with a group called Hikon, and we've all um, stayed in contact together. And the majority of people hate Craig Wright and just post memes about him. And it feels to me a bit like that echo chamber of hate against someone who might be misunderstood. So what I've done is actually read his blog posts and listened to his unaired interviews. And he doesn't seem as crazy when you actually listen to him from his perspective (laughs) as when you get it filtered through the opposite paradigm of... You know the the Bitcoin Cash fans who hate BSV because they split again from a fork. Now I would invite anybody to do the same, and then we could have a more sensible discussion on this matter. So that's that's my challenge to the people um, that think crazy Craig Wright is a lunatic and is completely needs to be written off. And uh, I would recommend everyone have a look at his interviews because my perspective is that he's just a very angry but smart person. And he's angry that people don't understand him. And I think that BSV is quite interesting. So what is your take on the Bitcoin Cash, BSV debacle? And you can take as long as you want because I rambled on for about two or three minutes there. (laughs) No, no, I loved it. I loved it. Um, As prescient and as smart as you are, I am the polar opposite. So I am probably the dumbest person you ever speak to. And here is here is the here is, you know, the evidence. So Whereas you were digging and looking contrarily, I, I live in this effing country, and so you'd think I would I would know what the zeitgeist is or be a little closer than you are. You've never even been here. I I'm not proud of this. So up through the election, I was thinking this guy's going to get shellacked. Trump, sorry, is going to get shellacked. That uh, I. I <laughs> Yeah, well, I thought in the polls it said ninety eight percent Hillary, ninety eight point three percent. Yeah, so here, here's the great skeptic, right? The ANCAP uh, guy who knows it all, who's the smartest guy in the room. That's what I think I am uh, most days. <clears throat> Telling people by Christmas was twenty fifteen, maybe no, but but that he'd be out before <laughs> the end of the the Republican primary. Well, obviously that didn't happen. So then I had to do some work to try to defend my position as he kept gaining and gaining and gaining and gaining and gaining and gaining and gaining one scandal after the other. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. He went after McCain. That's it. He was going to, you know, uh, the Billy Bush uh, access tape and, and to grab him by the hee-haw. And I was like, that's it. It's over. I was that guy. I was that guy. And then we're watching the election. This is the most pathetic part of all this. Uh, my, geez, what is she now? She's eight. So she had to be five then four or five year old daughter she's we had we we printed out the 
you know, the states for the Electoral College so she can color them in. Uh, you know, could it be the first woman president, honey? <laughs> We're going and she's coloring it in. And my wife, who's, you know, somewhat apolitical, doesn't really care. Just, you know, I, I love the, the blood sport of it. So we're watching. She goes, well, look, you know, he appears to be winning here, here, here. So they start doing the math, right? But I'm the math guy. I'm the political guy. Shh. Let daddy talk. Okay. It does appear <laughs> to the uneducated, unchurched person that Trump is, is losing. I mean, is, is winning. However, Hillary's going to come back. I had all these elaborate theories while the results are coming in. It wasn't until that MFR hit the stage at like one o'clock in the morning my time that I finally conceded he'd won. So yeah, that gives you a sense of how good I am at predicting these things, uh, which is awful. So long way to go to Craig Wright and BSV. Um, the split I thought was tragic um, at first, simply because there's so many good people who went over to BSV. I'm not going to name them because then by default, you know, so he didn't say so-and-so, that's a bad person. Um, so many people went over there. And full disclosure, <coughs> I was a columnist, believe it or not, for CoinGeek at the time. <laughs> okay, was, was CoinGeek wow, uh, partial so, to BSV or what? Yeah, that's Calvin Air's company. Calvin oh. Air, well, Calvin Air is the guy behind CalvinAir.com, and they're very closely associated with CoinGeek.com. And CoinGeek now is basically... Um, very much aligned with BSV. So yeah. if you look at the CoinGeek conference, it's all about promoting the Bitcoin Association, which is essentially the promotion of BSV. No no CoinGeek, no BSV, period. And so the, the two parties were getting more and more acrimonious. <laughs> I was a columnist for CoinGeek, uh, not formally associated, you know, I didn't know Calvin or Craig or anybody, but I, I was writing for it. I was being paid by CoinGeek, who was the, at the time they were literally talking crap about Roger. Um, and there was all this, the hash war was going, the whole thing. I was still writing columns for them. It's oh, all wild. Yeah, I, haven't yeah, had it's too many, a, I haven't had too many interactions, but I go to the uh, Bitcoin Cash meetup in Boston and there were some BSV people there once and uh, we were having some drinks. I called someone a Craig Wright super fan and Things got a little interesting at the meetup, but anyways, well, maybe I'll tell you that after, uh, off air. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And so, you know, <laughs> shortly, shortly after they, they had a, you know, reckoning and a purging and, and I was uh, asked to, uh, they were very, very nice about it, but they said, look, you're pretty clearly not a, a fan and you're not going to be on our side of things. So we, we need to make a break. And, and I respected that, but yeah. Um, so I, for a while, when CoinSpice was running, people were saying, you're just BSV, uh, I'm sorry, BCH, Bitcoin Cash, Roger Veers, Shills, that's all you guys are. And they said, well, you know, our editor-in-chief writes a column for CoinGeek. And that would literally shut the conversation. I mean, you could hear them falling over. That's uh, a lie, bro. You could, you could hear the cognitive dissonance going oh on. Oh, my gosh. Never, yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> it was strong. And yeah, so, so, uh, so Josh is the contrarian, and he's read a lot of stuff of Craig Wright. I honestly haven't, um, but I kind of want to get your take on what you think of Craig Wright. You can be a little spicy if you want. Sure, sure. Um, okay, so this is my opinion and not the opinion of CoinSpice, <laughs> which is a complete nutter cop-out. But um, <laughs> yeah, not a fan. Um, uh, 
at.com when I was at the news desk there, there was a lot of, let, let, let's just say that, that people were friendly towards Craig Wright. And my first impressions of him were as, as Josh says, most people's were, um, abrasive, kind of full of himself. And he couldn't say patent. He said patent, which drove me nuts. Um, he's, he's just, just not, you know, you, you get a feel for people, you know, I'd never met the guy in person, but uh, not a fan. And his theory seemed disjointed and weird. And, and I just was not a fan. So I sort of quietly held my tongue while people defended him, um, when he was a part of Bitcoin cash. And then, uh, I don't remember what got me to sort of out of my shell and I, I challenged him online or whatever. Uh, but it was nothing big, but uh, there was a, a tweet back and forth and he was talking about arresting people and having everybody thrown in jail. And I was like, Jesus, like, get this guy out of here. Like, I, I don't want any part of this guy. So that was the end of my love affair um, or love affair. That was the end of my even entertaining Craig Wright. Um, so I'm, I'm not a fan on those grounds. Um, I don't have a strong opinion the fact that we have to talk about him is just part of his genius. Um, so if you're from my side of the world, my side of the thinking on this, he's a total like non like I, I couldn't care less about the guy. But as you do, you know, people are forced to. So what do you think about this BSV and and Craig Wright? <laughs> so he's done something right. Uh, so I have to uh, I have to deal with him. Uh, I, we just don't pay attention to him. We don't give him a platform. Um, it's not something we're concerned with, even in the CoinSpice Telegram chats and some other places, people will go off on his latest exploit or, you know, what he said or whatever. We just, we just ignore it. We just shut it down and we go, come on, let's talk about something else. Um, yeah. So maybe I'm too emotionally, as uh, Josh was pointing out, uh, sort of stuck in my own, um, bias and prejudice of the guy to, to take him seriously, but. I have listened to him, um, sort of forced to, uh, his, his, uh, and I've read some of his stuff, just, just not impressed. Just, just completely well, Go ahead. That makes, that makes sense. It sounds like the, 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 uh, you know, that's the kind of the mainstream opinion. He's very much so. I think that, um, for me, yeah. I've got a background in, in gambling and in, uh, in poker. So I like to always hedge my bets and I can see a good value when I, you know, when I see a proposition, I can weigh up the probabilities of it being, um, you know, a good bet or not. One of the reasons that I quite like BSV for the upside potential is quite big, knowing that the Tulip Fund in January has the potential to be passed over into Craig Wright's hands. And we're talking billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin, which he has promised to use to do a flippening of BSV. Now, the likelihood of this actually happening is probably 10 to 1 against. However, <laughs> if it does happen, then there's almost no downside because the BSV price has <coughs> remained above $100 for quite some time. And it's very unlikely to go back to, like, say, 70 ever again. So it, the downside is, what, 30% down. But the upside could be like a 10x gain. I think if you weigh the fact that he uh, doesn't care about the mainstream crypto bubble opinion and he's just going to do whatever the hell he wants to promote BSV. And then the second thing is he's got lots of patents, right? So he says patents, you say <laughs> patents, whatever. Yeah, He has 700 uh 
different patents that have been registered. So mm-hmm. him and Enchain with over 700 blockchain patents. And as we get into this era where mainstream institutions are going to start adopting blockchain technology for their business uh, processes and business purposes i think we could see him becoming more of a force in the business world and just kind of ignoring the crypto world altogether which is its own little world let's be honest there's a crypto world it's its own world Mm -hmm. but there's a big business world out there that will eventually use some of the useful aspects of of uh, blockchain technology beyond just what it seems to be right now which is pure speculation in the cryptocurrency bubble so I think for those two reasons, um, there's a good chance that BSV can pump really hard uh, early 2020, especially end of January when he gets his hand on the Tulip Fund. So I'm personally taking a a, a little bet on that. So that's what I'm doing. Um, I didn't talk about this yet, Cade, but here we go. This was the right (laughs) show to talk about. We're making news. Uh, yeah, well, you know, look, the speculative side is is an aspect of uh, of cryptocurrency. You know, that is, you know, there's there's not a whole lot to add to what you've said other than I'm glad you're giving it an empirical test. Because if you can hold to it, if, if BSVers, and I'm not accusing you of being one, uh, if BSVers generally <clears throat> can hold to that, and let's say they put their their faith, for lack of a better phrase, and I'm, not try, I'm trying not to be, I'm trying to be generous in a, in a rare fit of generosity here. Um, if they put their faith in, um, in in the Tulip Trust and all that that entails. So if that doesn't happen, then it's, it's always interesting to watch when a Craig Wright prophecy of one guy, and they're, they're, you know, he's synonymous with making them, doesn't happen to watch them then roll back and move goalposts and stuff like that. So with an empirical, you know, uh, with a metric, you know, he has access, he's going to get them, and this is going to happen. You can then evaluate it. So you can go, okay, well, remember when Josh, uh, you know, told Kelso this was going to happen, he's hedging his bets? Well, let's go and let's, you know, then you could you could telegram or email me and go, look, you idiot. Just like in, you know, 2016 when you couldn't see Trump, I told you, or not. So, I, you know, yeah, I, I like mean, that. I like there that is a chance it doesn't happen. You know, I've got... A background in poker and we talk about expected value which is about yeah. the long run if you run a if you run an event like a million times are you making a plus ev play or not that's the the way that you should evaluate your poker play the actual mm-hmm. outcome is irrelevant it's about what is the likelihood of it happening and i think that there's a decent shot it happens there's a 30 percent chance that it happens and it could have a like a 10x upside there's also a 70 percent chance it doesn't happen and it's probably got a 30 percent downside so i'm really i'm really happy to take that type of a bet so i'm looking at more of a um just on the pure on the pure math betting side of it rather than ideologically i'm a fan of bsv or ideologically i'm a an an opponent of bsv i'm not really interested in that actually i'm just interested in in getting a good return on my investment so yeah, that's kind sure. of that's and the just philosophy. the mere yeah. talking about it right so just the so getting close to whenever the bewitching hour is in speculative markets that itself has kind of this weird self-fulfilling prophecy on, on the prize <clears throat> so people get all excited oh it's gonna happen it's you know, the 30%, you know, just during our conversation went from 10 to 30. And then by the time we get it, it's a probably an 80% chance this is going to happen. And so everybody's buying on the, yeah, you the know, herd. on the hope. It's the herd. 
And once and, the well, herd starts you know, going, and then you make then money, it, right? So yeah, if pretty, you bet it on, yeah, it's pretty and you tough. You go, hmm, and you pull back before everybody else pulls back. <clears throat> you make some dough. But what I, I think I'm getting at is is the ultimate proposition as to uh, the veracity of someone like a Craig Wright. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The the tech for for BSV is interesting in the sense that they're going all out on the block thing. So they want, you know, a quadrillion size blocks and they want them now. And they're going to put weather reports and they're going to arrest everybody who's <clears throat> looks at them sideways. And they're going to, you know, sue everybody's pants off for, for merely, you know, mentioning Craig Wright in a bad light. So that's, that's a culture, which we're talking a lot about now in the Bitcoin Cash community. And that's a way of looking at the world that both influences the price, but then also it just as easily might not. So um, I like that you have a, a set goal and I, I love the trader's mentality. Uh, speculators are, you know, a wonderful gift to the world. And, uh, you know, that's that's why. You know, they're more than just degenerate gamblers is that we have this debate. We have, you know, we try to suss out the facts. But to me, ultimately, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm 100% sure, <laughs> as I can be, that it's going to go and pass and there's going to be some new. Well, no. See, what you thought was a tulip is actually and they're going to there's going to be a whole rebacking up of it. And no, no. We're waiting for May and then it'll be 2021. And then, you know, we'll just keep going on. But, you know, like I say, I I'm wrong more than i'm right so <coughs> well right, a well. lot of people thought that you know the the bitcoin cash um bitcoin core if you want to call it that was going to have its own flippening do you remember when when bitcoin oh, yeah. cash was was pumping all the way up to like i think it even hit 3k at one point and people were like oh my god like bitcoin is over and bitcoin cash is going to be the new thing and it never did the full flippening it never quite got there um so we'll have to see in January, and then maximum, like you said, when the halving happens, I think if it doesn't happen by then, then, you know, this would be a, a poor investment. But, you know, you've got to take some losses sometimes. You can't yeah. win them all. All right. Let's yep. do it. Let's do it. Let's do it in a different direction now. So, uh, Kelso, I want to kind of ask you, <clears throat> I think we're both big fans of peer-to-peer -peer cash. And, of course, Bitcoin Cash yeah. is one of the big peer-to-peer uh, cryptos these days but beyond that like what are you excited about in the bch space so they've got like slp tokens they've got uh coin mixing they've got that new dividend feature there's a lot of interesting things happening in the space and like what are some of the things you're excited about in the bch space uh, all three that you've just uh, you've just alluded to but it's the it's the steadfastness so in the crypto sphere <clears throat> we tend to value the new new thing and so we we want to know what the latest apps are and the shiny this and you know the latest that for the bch community i think hanging in there and staying in the top five by crypto cap um you know working on global permissionless peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash for the world keeping that in focus um you know going to countries <laughs> like venezuela um South Sudan, other places, and, and, and you know, with, uh, well, here's, here's a good part. Uh, Cointext, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but uh, it's a company that uses SMS, so the technology of, of literally texting. So even though <clears throat> I'd say uh, pretty much most of the world now has somewhat of an access to 
loosely we call mobile phones, uh, even more of them <clears throat> uh, do it by way or, or they, they're still not directly linked smartphone-wise and they're not really on the net as much as we are in, say, the West. And so texting is still kind of ruling the day with top-ups and, and so on. And so Cointext has gone out and allowed Bitcoin Cash because of the low fees, uh, the quick confirmation times to be used um, through just simple texting. And so that's really interesting. Um, as you mentioned, uh, kind of the coin join iteration is called Cash Shuffle. Um, and that's uh, an anonymizing tool uh, that basically allows you. So there's a there is if you're new to the to the Bitcoin idea, you'll hear in the mainstream press that it's anonymous, and uh, hopefully you're you'll get disabused of that very fast. It's pseudo anonymous at best, but it's actually probably the best financial tracking system <laughs> uh, known to man, and uh, it you know it is not anonymous. So with Cash Shuffle, it allows non-custodial sort of uh, joining of these coins that mixes them so you don't know from where they came or from where they're going. And that allows for a fungibility and it allows for a, a kind of privacy that mimics cash, uh, the properties of, uh, of, uh, of cash. And, and that's really important because if you want to have a, a currency for the world that is cash-like, it, it has to be private. So it's, it's non-negotiable for us. Um, yeah. yeah, I think um, they, have, uh, they have the Shuffle Saturdays. And um, yep. I know, actually, if some of our listeners don't know this, I'm sure Kelso does, but they used to have a similar function for BTC, but because of the fees, they couldn't yep. really use Coin it join. anymore, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, CoinJoin and uh, guys like, uh, this is going way back, Amir Taki and uh, some others, uh, uh, worked on projects uh, like it, and uh, there was actually a bounty to get it going. Um, Cash Shuffle is is kind of a play on that. Um, there's some great people involved: uh, Josh Ellathorpe from uh, from Coinbase, um, Yonald Fukeball, who runs the Electron uh, Cash Wallet. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of great stuff going on. The SLP token idea uh, that's a simple ledger protocol. It's on the Bitcoin Cash. Um, side of things, it, it's sort of BCH's answer to uh, Ethereum, say ERC tokens. And basically, uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin Cash see eye to eye on a lot of things, but they're sort of the world computer idea and their notorious issues with scaling. And so Bitcoin Cash sort of snuck in there and adopted uh, some some operatorn code, some some protocol changes that would allow for uh, tokenization. Uh, we used to call them colored coins back in the day, um, but <clears throat> the idea that you can run a, an ERC twenty like token, um, not it's not completely analogous, but uh, just for the purposes of getting through this on Bitcoin Cash, that is cheaper and much much easier to mint. So you just go and there's like three or four steps and you can create your own token. Boom. You know, the inflation rate, uh, all that good stuff. You can name it and it's super, super fast. And that, you know, has, has started off slow and is, and is gaining appreciation uh, among 
lesser known exchanges, but <clears throat> it, it's getting there. Um, and people are using it to tip each other uh, in different tokens. Uh, businesses are using it to tokenize, you know, rewards programs and so on. So that's also very encouraging. But yeah, I'm pretty familiar actually with a lot of stuff that's happening in the BCH space, but I know maybe Josh um, doesn't follow them as closely. Josh, do you have any questions? Do you want to jump in? Well, actually, when it comes to like the SLPs, what exactly are they? Because, you know, when it comes to tokens, I only know really about ERC20 <clears throat> tokens on the Ethereum network. So maybe yeah, you can just so, explain SLPs in more detail so yeah. I can understand them, and then it could be useful for the audience too. All right, let me let me jump in and let uh, Kelso give an expanded definition that, that I can't do. So the SLP token is really Bitcoin Cash's answer to Ethereum's ERC20 tokens. And uh, Kelso, can you expand on that? Yeah, and, and just kind of as, as I've said, it, it has to do with with making it uh, cheaper and easier and just, again, it's sort of implied in SLP, the simple ledger protocol, um, where it's it's done in such a way that the, the user interface is easier. Um, it's it's a little less wonky. So um, businesses that aren't, you know, so technically uh, inclined are, are sometimes off put by uh, the Ethereum iterations of, of tokenization, which are, you know, Bitcoin Cash is not even competing yet, um, which are far and away uh, the industry standard. But these are the they're they're a little bit uh, less friction filled. You can get in, mint your coin, um, um, do your thing, and it happens uh, essentially on the Bitcoin Cash blockchain. So that it's it's still you know relatively cheap, um, almost you know pennies, if, if fractions of a penny uh, to create them. And it's so much easier. So uh, you, you, uh, I guess it was uh, uh, Cade um, kind of alluded to it, the dividend calculator. So if bearish shares are, are, are kind of well known in the traditional um, uh, investment community. So when you say own a stock or whatever in legacy finance with these, these companies, you will often get... Uh, you know, sort of a, a a return on your investment, independent of the price going up or down. So the company will actually pay you dollars. They'll give you dividends back. So the SLP dividend calculator allows that to happen. So that if you have a token, um, Kelso token, and it's an SLP token, and, and you want to reward people for holding it, there's a very easy, down and dirty way to send fractions of Bitcoin cash BCH to all of those token holders um, in your in your you know your particular universe uh, which could be a real game changer and that it's a very cliche thing to say but uh, it really could be in the sense that the, the 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 token idea used for reward points or or um, you know to, to help with branding or whatever can actually you know, real money, quote unquote, a real crypto. So not just a token, but you can actually earn Bitcoin cash through it. Um, and that's becoming very popular. So it's, it's, you know, tokens. I, I, I don't, I'm not really a big token guy. I'm, I'm way more about peer to peer cash. Um, so <clears throat> that's what my focus is, but we're definitely at CoinSpice having to pay more attention uh, to the token idea, just because it 
it resonates with businesses, you know, for whatever reason. So is it more like a way to give dividends to people that participate in your ecosystem or is it like a, is it a way to raise funds like ICOs just on the Bitcoin cash network or is mm-hmm. it like NFTs, non-fungible tokens, which are used for different purposes? So I don't know. Or is it just in its own unique category? So could me and Cade just make our own SLP? We'll call it the dark side of the Hoddle Moon coin yes. and we can just build that on top of... Um, you know, the Bitcoin Cash Network. And what benefits would we get from that, apart from just, it would be cool, but apart from, you know, how, right. what could we gain from I don't from think it has this? quite the muscle that, say, an ERC-20 token has <clears throat> yet. Uh, it's it's pretty bare bones. But um, yes to everything except for the NFT <clears throat> part, which I believe is coming. Uh, there was just a hackathon, a virtual hackathon, where, uh, group came up with uh, that uh, uh, that idea, so don't don't trust me too much on the non fungible side. Um, yeah, the the bearish shares of the sorry the, the just an old habit. Um, the dividends um, are are usually sent within your you know ecosystem, your coins ecosystem, um, as a reward. But it really you know there's there's a you know a million different variations on that theme, uh, going back and forth and. You know, you can flip them tokens. You can, you know, it's it's a right now to me, it's value. The SLP token uh, universe that's being created is it, the the importance of sandboxing, of of, of playing, of of messing around with. Uh, we used to say in the days, uh, effing around with a project <laughs> just for the pure pleasure of messing with it. So. Some of that's been lost in the corporatization of crypto and, and sort of the enterprise push, the institutional push, where, you know, that the sense of goofing around um, is, is gone. And, and, and I think Bitcoin Cash, so, so maybe there's more at stake. So you have to invest a little bit more of time and trouble and energy and actual what they call gas in Ethereum uh, to get your ERC-20 token up and running. Which it, it, I'm sure has wonderful benefits, and you know it's, it's a little bit more seriously taken, um, and certainly better known in the industry. But you lose some of the playfulness, and what I believe is a, a key point of, of innovation, which is to mess around with things and just to try them to try them. Uh, one version is uh, the honk honk token. So if you're familiar with meme culture, there's this honkler guy who goes out and he's this little clown and. Um, he's, <laughs> uh, progressive in the United States have dubbed it racist and all this other stuff. Uh, but it's, it's fairly benign and someone wanted to make a Hong Kong token. So they did so. And that yeah, might I, be, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's not on, uh, it's not an SLP token, but someone created a Pepe coin too. And that was pretty interesting. <laughs> There's also exactly. a MAGA coin out there too. MAGA coin. Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. That- that was interesting. Yeah. My mate, he had uh, a MAGA coin masternode back in the day, so that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. You know what I mean? So the, the playfulness is what I like about it. Um, out of our um, community, out of the coin spice community, came the spice token, which is not – it's it's uh, we're, we're not associated with it in any way, uh, but we're often linked to it for, for you know, obvious reasons. Um, but it came out of our 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 culture, our, our little uh, online group, and that's an appreciation token. So people tip it to them uh, to each other in Telegram, 
um, I believe on Reddit and some other places. And it's just, you know, you know, if you want to call something spicy, you throw them some spice tokens and it, it sounds dumb and kind of beside the point at first. And then you get some and you're like, oh, that's kind of neat. And you download, a, yeah. you know, a, a browser wallet, like a Badger or, or a Crescent Cash or something like that. And you, you start messing with it and then you tip it to a live streamer and, and then other people will use it to, you know, you can play poker with it. You know, it begins, this ecosystem kind of builds and, and first starts out as something dumb and then kind of becomes something. So right now we're, we're in the kind of awkward phase i'd say of the slp universe yeah. well i think I, we might as well try it kate let's no, just let's make a dark side of the hollow moon coin on yeah, the we'll just, uh, on an slp let's try it out also no. let's do our own erc20 and then let's <laughs> and let's just figure out what happens let's, let's Josh, play with you're it. going yolo today um actually <laughs> fun. funny i don't want to throw it back to uh bitcoin jesus again but i watched his tutorial on slp tokens and he's like comment your badger address and i did and he he also sent me some random like Roger coin or something. So I have that <laughs> on my Badger extension on my girlfriend's computer. So I already have some. And actually, I think I might have already created just like a, just a test. Because I, I was just interested about the tech. It literally takes like less than 20 minutes. You can create your own yeah, SLP yeah. token. I think for me, I honestly think they're going to be big. But my thing too is kind of what you said is like, it's a tool. If you don't like it, you don't have to use it. And Bitcoin Cash still works as peer-to-peer cash. But if you don't like it, don't use it. But it's cool that you have that option there, I think, for people that want to use it. And when you mentioned like the Spice token or other things like BAT, the, you know, the basic attention token with the Brave, Brave Browser, yeah. this micro-tipping, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be big. And I think it's also like with the Spice thing, it's like, you're teaching people about micro tipping, you know, paying for my, you know, tipping, you know, paying three cents to read an article or something. This micro tipping culture through cryptocurrency really could be a be a game changer, I think. But uh, I kind of want to talk a little bit about peer to peer cash. So I'm a big BCH guy. I know you are. I kind of want to know what your thoughts are, you know, about like the network effect. Like, you know, the U.S. dollar is basically accepted, you know, everywhere. Um, if peer-to-peer cash is going to work, I think everyone agrees, whether you love BTC, hate it, or are in somewhere in the middle, that it doesn't work as a peer-to-peer cash. So beyond BCH, like, what do you think about other ones like, like Dash or Litecoin or Monero or Grin or some of these privacy coins, a Beam? Um, some of them have maybe people think they have better privacy. Like, what are your thoughts on other peer-to-peer cash? Love them. I I, I love the. Uh, I'm a um. So going back to the Austrian influence here, I'm I'm a, I'm a Mangarian. I, I love the competition of currencies. Um, I love the uh, the ecumenical nature of the of the space, and I, I really you know like to see a thousand flowers bloom. The the issue with some of the privacy coins maybe going forward um, regulation. So that's creeping in. That's something that uh, I certainly don't like to talk about, but have been forced to. Um, regulators around the world are, are sort of kind of, you know, getting it, uh, at least becoming more fearful of it. And that has put a new emphasis on the Moneros of the world in the sense that if they're if they're seen as a like their, their their value proposition is privacy, then I think statutorily they're gonna be SOL uh, in terms of the network effect. 
Um, Litecoin is basically viable because of it's it's sort of the BTC maximalist, the you know a capitulation to to the cash idea. So um, it is it is very well marketed. Um, it gets out there, and uh, Charlie is uh, is uh, is an amiable guy. Um, it's 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 it seems cynical to me, but um, it is something that uh, BTC maxis will say. They they actively encourage people to not use Bitcoin for payments that it, they even you know, castigate it as a horrible payment system. And, you know, it's just supposed to be, you know, digital gold. It's maybe a settlement layer in some uh, central bank of the future. But Litecoin is kind of there. Okay, you can have Litecoin. Um, they've switched over to Grin, which is really interesting, um, at least in the beginning. And I, I, I find the Mimblewimble idea uh, to be uh, maybe slightly over-engineered, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested, you know, but again, the, the, the privacy coin qua privacy is going to have trouble. I think going forward with minders, with babysitters in the nanny state, whereas a Bitcoin cash, it could definitely run up against those same issues, but Bitcoin cash per se is not a privacy Mm -hmm. coin. So it's Bitcoin, but with bigger blocks and there's, there's more to it than that, but uh, from from an outsider's point of view, so if you're a regulator, you're not really concerned about it because you can see it's a, you know it's a public blockchain. You know, um, you can you can use chain analysis for it. Whereas a Monero or you know some coins that are that are trying to sell you on the privacy idea uh, become uh, become you know exchanges will drop them. Uh, as would would be my guess. Uh, that's going to have to you know liquidity issues and so on. Uh, Dash is super interesting. Uh, a lot of um, uh, fellow travelers love Dash. So uh, ideological fellow travelers of mine uh, speak very highly of it. They like the governance system, the master nodes, uh, the treasury, um, all that stuff. Um, the network effect there is is maybe what's holding it back um, it, without getting too technical. Uh, we have a, a guy who, who runs a um, – can I be blue? Can I say a curse word? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. – uh... Yeah, anything. Okay. Uh, it's uh, shitcoin.com. Uh, it's Andreas Brecken, and <clears throat> he's uh, one of the he, – he, he flies under the radar, but I say he's one of the most important uh, thinkers in the space. And he does these reviews of coins, and he, he gets into them. And he is a giant mind, a uh, huge mind in the space. And, he went through Dash, and he found it really, really interesting. Um, he was at one point uh, Lightning Node, uh, probably their largest uh, uh, holder there for for the Lightning Network, and shut it down um, due to uh, security concerns. But he gave Dash big thumbs up. Um, I like the community. I like the people. I just don't know if it. You know, there, there's a CEO maybe of Dash, or there's there's an executive board. There are doors to kick in there. Uh, I I I dislike that. Um, I don't like there are people to arrest that can stop you from dashing. Um, that uh, that is not compelling to me. So, the the, the crypto <clears throat> ethos that I come from, uh, that cranky anarchic side, 
is one that favors the Bitcoin caches of the world in the sense that, you know, who's the CEO of Bitcoin Cash? You know, who's, where, where can I talk to Mr. Cash? And, and I'm going to pull him before, you know, we can't do that for Congress and pull him before lawmakers and so on and castigate them. So you can with Dash. And uh, that's, uh, that's, that's something that I think will hold it back. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. So Bitcoin Cash is leaderless. But I'm a little surprised you're, uh, you know, not necessarily complaining about the privacy, but talking about it so much. I thought you were an ANCAP. So, like, don't you want to use <laughs> your uh, grin or beam? Like, maybe you can, like, you know, give up your American citizenship, go seasteading or go to one of those super uber libertarian states that Roger Ver and other people are trying to create. Or maybe you could take uh, Rocco with Elon and just have your own ANCAP moon base on the dark side of the hollow moon. <laughs> For sure. For sure. So, yeah, I didn't want to use roads. I'm just going to get a jetpack and fly over them. Um, I, have an, I have an aversion to roads. Um, yeah, so I love privacy. And, and again, privacy is the point of crypto. So if you don't have it, you know, it's a non-starter. So it just becomes panopticon, right? It, it becomes this, this great way. That, that's why you'll see governments embracing various versions of cryptocurrency. They'll say, no, this is fantastic. A Venezuela price sake it you know they issued an erc20 token because now you can monitor everything your citizens do so if you don't have privacy i mean you're just you're just wasting your time you're you've created a better paypal congratulations you know like that's that doesn't interest me so with bitcoin cash what i'm, I'm saying is is that its value proposition isn't a privacy coin but it but but there are tools that can allow because of its nature and it's it's ease of use and it's fast confirmation times and it's pseudo anonymity that like cash shuffle and some others and there's i'm certainly sure that there are going to be other tools in the future uh for fungibility that we can't even see bitcoin cash is primed for that but if you make it into a privacy coin you call it you know private bitcoin or you know cash or whatever then you're going to be in big trouble um for businesses to want to use it because they're going to say, you know, I can't, I can't put Monero up on my site because people are going to associate it with dark stuff and, and you know, you know, whatever else. Whereas Bitcoin Cash, you can put it nice little green <laughs> thing there, and, and you, everybody can be excited about it. And then on your end, if privacy is important to you, as it is to me, you can shuffle your coins, you can use anonymizers. There's a bunch of different ways. So that was more my point. But yeah. If, if you're not doing the privacy thing, if, if your group is against that, I mean, I mean privacy, I'm not talking pseudo or whatever, uh, privacy, being able to transact as you want permissionlessly, then, you know, you're not doing crypto. I don't know what else you're doing, but you're not doing crypto. Definitely. Yeah, actually, you mentioned Dash, too, and I just recently saw this, maybe it was today or yesterday, that the Latin American leader of Dash, he left in favor of Bitcoin Cash. And we've been talking a lot about um, crypto in Venezuela, because I'm sure you know a little bit about the inflation, Uber inflation, that's hyperinflation that's happening there. And actually, uh, BCH and Dash were kind of a lifeline for a lot of people. So um, have you looked into crypto use in Venezuela or talked to anyone about that? Yeah, one of the uh, one of our, our star reporters at CoinSpice, uh, Linzer, he is uh, based in Venezuela. So um, we have a series called Letters from Venezuela where he writes periodically about uh, crypto and his living there. So we literally employ a guy, uh, we pay him in Bitcoin cash uh, to write from Venezuela. So we get sort of the primary source 
on the ground, uh, you know, straight no chaser from, you know, essentially what is <clears throat> Armageddon uh, for the people there. So, um, yeah, the the uh, George Donnelly is the gentleman's name. He was head of uh, Dash Lat Am, which is short for Dash Latin America, which basically covered something like eight countries and uh, had close to 80 employees and it was funded through the dash treasury which is part of uh whether you like it or not it's it's sort of the governance quirk of dash you have to go and sort of justify why they'll fund you for the next round and i I think it was either month to month or something like that so he was recently shown the door for whatever reason and he decided mm, to look more into bitcoin cash as a result uh he felt that the governance model had no longer served him and the Dash people have accused him of being salty and, you know, kind of a scorn lover and so on. And is using Bitcoin Cash to, you know, kind of throw sand in their eye. And that, that all that could be true. Um, but the fact that, you know, he doesn't run off to a Monero or, you know, doesn't go to, well, geez, now we got to push for Litecoin in Venezuela. Um, he goes to Bitcoin Cash um, is, I believe, relevant because there is such a focus on, you know, crypto in the United States doesn't make a lot of sense. So as much as it pains me to say it, we've got great money here. It works flawlessly. I've got Venmo. I've got Zelle and PayPal. I've got all these great things. My money flies around. It retains its value. You know, I can buy plastic crap from China all I want. Whereas the, the, where we think peer-to-peer cash will take off would be in a place like Venezuela. So that's where it's needed. Um, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But for a guy who works in Colombia, I think he's based out of Colombia. So he's literally on the border of Venezuela. He knows the situation there. Uh, to come over, at least flirt with the Bitcoin Cash idea is huge. Uh, he's saying there's something like a thousand merchants. Uh, they have already primed on Dash. And uh, our reporter uh, talks quite a bit when we speak uh, privately for, for meetings and so on about the the ubiquity of dash uh in venezuela so that that could really change the fortunes of uh of a lot of people there because the the bitcoin idea i think has that network effect and so if you just add the cash idea to it and it works just as well and uh, more people take it in more places around the world and you know that it could definitely help a lot of people yeah I, I definitely agree. I actually, when I was living in Asia, I went to a Bitcoin Cash meetup in Hong Kong and I met a Venezuelan expat who had fled to the U.S. and because of visa issues fled to Hong Kong. And we actually interviewed him on our channel and he had a lot of interesting things to say about Venezuela and the currency and all that stuff. But yeah, I hope, uh, it, I, I think it, crypto can kind of be a lifeline for people there. I'm kind of curious since we're talking about Venezuela, what do you think of El Petro? Yeah. Um, Venezuela's crypto. Yeah, right. Uh, the state-backed crypto, Petro. Um, it's, it's, it's something we follow, and we have been following for, geez, more than a year now, I guess. Um, you know, obviously, with my financial, uh, economic, political leanings, I have no love for the socialist government of Venezuela, but it is hampered by, so in other words, it's very easy to dunk on them and go, see, socialism doesn't work. There it is. They're eating cats. Um, it, it, it's a slightly more complicated because of embargoes and 
the geopolitical situation down there and executive orders. So I think for governments to seek out cryptocurrency to get around other governments is probably a good thing, maybe. So if it's if I say it's permissionless, it's it's got to be permissionless. So that means the guy I don't like uh, can use it for reasons that I wouldn't approve of. So that includes Nicolas Maduro and his group. So um, Petro is is ridiculous. It's a it's a, a complete waste of everybody's time. But it's backed, he said, by Venezuelan oil and diamonds or something. And I you know I don't know. Um, I, I want to see how it does. Um, I think the probably China is going to be the the better bet there if they they get or the what's it called the the crypto ruble in Russia. Um, we're we're definitely going to see something take off. I just don't know where in terms of state backed crypto, and it's going to be in a rogue rogue state. China, huh? China. China. It is going to be China, unfortunately. It's going to be Orwellian, and it's going to be China, and it's going to be a crypto, um, crypto yuan that's coming, and it's going to be fully integrated with the social credit system that already excludes 18 million people last year from traveling on trains inside the country. So welcome to Orwell's Nightmare 1984, a.k.a. China 2020. That's what's going to happen, um, honestly, because what's <clears> happening <throat> in China is there's going to... There's a lot of potential unrest. <laughs> the economy has been fine for the last 30 years, and as long as the economy was growing year on, year out in double digits, then people could put up with some authoritarianism. They were like, ah, oh, well, we're getting richer. Things seem to be working out fine. Now the economy is way... Um, way too over-reliant on these ghost townhouses that are completely empty, like you've got new cities that have been built in the middle of nowhere with no one living in them, and all the rich people owning like seven or eight of these apartments that no one lives in. Um, it's going to be a disaster, a big debt disaster, and the economy's slowed down, especially with the trade war in the USA. What is happening now is a, a tightening grip on the society in general to, to kind of curb any potential unrest that is inevitable when the economy crashes and you've got a uh, authoritarian government breathing down your neck so that's my take on it it will be the chinese government that takes cryptocurrency the furthest in terms of a state-backed sovereign um cryptocurrency but for all the wrong reasons ideologically the absolute opposite of 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 Satoshi Nakamoto's vision of Bitcoin. It's not peer-to-peer -peer cash. It's more like just um, using the public layer to track everything that you've done. You're going to be assigned a bank, one address and you have to make all your transactions from there or maybe a handful maximum. So it's quite bad is my perspective on that. So, oh, we, we seem to have um, lost witty leader, our friend. Yeah. Kelso, maybe he's dropped. That's fine. He should be able to join us um, soon. But when he comes back, let's talk about the um, the running of Coinspice.io. So how yeah, does definitely. it? How does he actually run a um, run the the site? Is an is the editor in chief? So obviously he has to go through um, lots of articles every day to ensure the quality of the content is high. He also produces his own podcast, like we're doing now. So we could get into that. Um, if he has completely dropped in the next, let's say, three or four minutes, 
if he's not back on, we could wrap this up. And um, what do you think about that, Cade? Yeah, I think that's good. I, th- I think he's trying to come back in. I think he just he just dropped from the call. Um, right. So yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to kind of get um, Kelso's take on it. But yeah, I, I kind of agree. You know, it's going to be a crypto. I'm wondering if it's going to be inflatable or not. But it'll definitely be traceable. It'll just be like a way for the government to track everybody and yeah. follow it's follow terrible. what they're doing. Yeah, it's not it's not cryptocurrency really. It's using crypto for the absolute ideological opposite of what it was created for. Um unfortunately. Now the the reality is most people don't even use cash in um in China anyway. They just use WeChat Pay and Alipay anyway. And the government has control over those things. They can um they can reverse transactions. So if if you make a payment on on WeChat Pay or on Alipay, normally you'd think that it was instant, right? But actually, it's uh, it can be reversed by the government up to one month afterwards. It's not cleared until at least a month. So that's what's interesting about Alipay and WeChat Pay. And I think that this is just the logical extension of that, being able to even more precisely verify the uh, the route that money is taken within the Chinese society. Are you uh, back Kelso, with us Kelso, today, Kelso? Yeah. No, oh, no worries. Fine. So cold, I, I think you dropped. caught um, Josh's uh, uh, little take on China and their dystopian future. Do you have any comment on that? Like he says that he thinks China is going to be first with kind of a, a crypto that's basically just going to be a, a way to track everybody. Maybe, maybe, um, you know, I, it's, it's uh, very easy to, uh, to dunk on the Chinese uh, for all the reasons that uh, we're, we're familiar. Um, you know, it, it certainly that's, I, I would say that's probably the government's uh, predilection uh, if, if I had to guess at it. But then again, it has made, if you look at China, 1950, 1960, and, and look at it now, the, the, the progress that China has made uh, economically is nothing short of, you know, just amazing. So I, I think they're holding fast. So I, I don't want to downplay communism. Um, but then again, I have this kind of weird, perverse faith in trade. So the fact that we keep those channels open, uh, we in the West and we continue to engage and, uh, you know, uh, set basic standards. Hopefully it, it withers away on the, on the vine but uh, I fear, I fear Josh is probably closer to, um, you know, reality in the way that he sees the world. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to be more optimistic. Um, right now is not <clears throat> probably the best time to be asked that question, considering uh, what's going on uh, in the uh, in the east of China in terms of Hong Kong. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it doesn't come to that. But uh, that will certainly disabuse anybody of crypto being some kind of, you know, anonymous panacea. Yeah. I, so instead of maybe a big um, crypto from a nation state, what about from the Silicon state? What do you think of Facebook coin, Libra? <laughs> um, you know, again, it's it's just so easy. Uh, chest hide it out of the park. You know, we hate it and all such stuff. It is, if you read 
kind of their rollout, uh, which I was uh, one of the first to do, it, 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 they are going after the cash market and they've said as much. Uh, they said they, they looked at Bitcoin BTC, but they fell off because of its high fees and its latency period and, you know, all the rest of it. So they, they looked elsewhere to create their own kind of version of, of peer to peer, um, electronic cash. So that is a, a strike at the heart of Bitcoin cash's, you know, ethos, its its whole reason for being. So uh, it's a threat in that sense. I frankly think <clears throat> a lot of people got out uh, ahead of their skis, including CoinSpice. We covered it too much too fast. Uh, just having a web page and granted it's Facebook, but um, having a web page and, you know, talking and white papers and stuff doesn't equal uh, a viable project. Um, I, I, I don't see it. it I, I think there's even a danger of it possibly not launching. Uh, certainly nothing like what we thought it would be initially. Um, it's a stable coin, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, it's kind of a Franken coin idea uh, where they're going to back it with fiat, uh, grovel in front of the world's regulators and hope uh, they're given permission to the crown uh, to operate. You know, if I was a lawmaker in the United States, there's no way you're going to get me to allow Mark Zuckerberg and his crew uh, to uh, to create a competing currency. So either that or, I mean, it's going to be so defanged. So, you know, they haven't given up on it yet. I think they poured a lot of money into it and it would be uh, very difficult for them to to kind of, you know, turn about now. But they have tried. They've, they've spent... Uh, this is not their first attempt at something like a crypto um, or cash versions or payment systems inside and leveraging their their huge audience. Um, I don't I don't really see it. Uh, I think maybe what will remain will be something like Calibra, like a wallet, and they'll just put a basket of cryptos in there and just you know wipe their hands of the whole thing, uh, create or kind of claim sort of a half victory, but. Uh, I like more competition. I, I think on the U.S. side, it's really exposed, I, you know, people to the cryptocurrency idea. And we used to get chided quite a bit. You guys are just so, you know, small and you're meaningless and no one cares about you. And when you listen to lawmakers and even the president of the United States come out and say, I'm not for this. This is garbage and we need to, you know, do something about it. Uh, and they're holding hearing after hearing after hearing on the idea. Uh, you can't say anymore that crypto is, you know, just a play thing for 400 pound guys. Well, crypto is here to yeah. stay. That's for yeah. sure. I think, you know, uh, the state, if it does have a role is to protect the citizens and to protect them from all, uh, potential threats to their, let's say prosperity. And I honestly see Libra as quite a threat to the developed world. I mean, lots of people have talked about the fact that the US dollar is backed by nothing um, and that fiat currencies are, are meaningless because the, the state can print them. But the reason that the US dollar is strong is because it's the de facto world currency and it 
you've got a lot of uh, military all around the world backing that up. If any any states decide to say we're not going to pay in U.S. dollars for our petrol anymore, then you know certain leaders get removed, or there are certain uh, instances where the CIA could help to arrange people to be uh, I don't know overthrown by their own populations. So that keeps the U.S. dollar strong. That's not a good argument for the U.S. dollar, but that's just the way that the world works. So if you are the United States government and your responsibility is to keep the prosperity of the country, I think it's beholden of them to actually resist uh, LibraCoin because what LibraCoin would actually allow is a massive competition in the labor markets with the entire world. 1.4 billion adults using Facebook. Most Mm. of them don't have access to proper financial infrastructure at all. And if you can allow them to compete on a freelance basis using a virtual currency that is pegged to basically the world's de facto currency, the US dollar, then you're going to see massive turmoil in the United States because the United States, the UK as well, are largely becoming gig economies where people are doing lots of freelance work, moonlighting, building up a, a side skill and having a side hustle and, and trying to build up their own income. If you allow Facebook coin to basically compete with the, your own internal labor market, you're going to see lots of problems happening in your own internal labor market. Um, that's inevitable. So it's kind of responsible for them to resist it. Plus, Facebook coin itself, it's... Uh, trying not to be a financial institution. So it's trying to get around financial regulations. And the US government uh, isn't just one institution. It's a very fragmented banking system. Although there's a central bank, there's the Federal Reserve, there are also there are different agencies that have different oversight responsibilities. It's not like the UK, which has one um, oversight agency, which can basically exists with a purpose to encourage competition. That's why we've seen innovation in the UK Mm, fintech sector quite quickly. Whereas in the US, you've got like a very fragmented uh, system with different competing agencies with with different purposes and different um, agendas. But the US government itself, when it comes to Facebook, Coin and Libra, they have to kind of resist the potential to have a banking institution that's pretending not to be a banking institution. So I'm kind of on the side of the US government on this one in many respects. If the US um, standard of living is dependent on the US dollar being strong and the US citizens benefiting, benefiting from that strong US dollar, if there's a competition to the US dollar that everybody has access to, then it just really messes up the labor markets. And this happened in the early 1990s. If you go back to the origin of the UK leaving the European Union, you look at the early 90s when the EU referendum party was founded by uh, James Goldsmith. Sir James Goldsmith is now dead. Um, He was a billionaire, made all of his money in North America in supermarket franchises. But he's a French and British uh, citizen. Now, he formed the uh, EU referendum party that became a precursor to the UK Independence Party, uh, which led to the Brexit uh, outcome, which he's seen over the last few years. What that basically came about from was he saw GATT, which was the Global Agreement on Trade Tariffs Mm -hmm. in the 90s, being a massive problem for the world economy in terms of um, not uh, not the prosperity overall, like 
I know that the argument from a libertarian perspective is that um, a rising tide raises all ships, but in his perspective, it was the uh, social impact that could happen. So you'd see lots of migration away from poorer um, parts of the world into big cities, um, messing up long-established um, social order that ultimately might not be worth the price of, you know, everyone gets a new pair of shoes every every month or something like that. So... I think that this Facebook Libra thing has really deep origins that go back um, and and cross loads of different philosophical um, conundrums. Like if you are a pure libertarian free market guy, you might really love the idea of a Facebook coin. But then on the other side, where's the competition for it? There isn't a a competing network that could really um, roll out and have 2 billion users overnight. So. It's kind of an uneven playing field. Um, so I think the government has to step in, in in a little bit of a sense. That's my long-winded rant on this. Okay, Kelsevon, do you, do you want, what's your response to that or what's your take on what Josh just said? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a perspective that is is, is certainly one that... Oh, I think um, maybe the microphone's not on. For um, me? So, I, is, is microphones dropped, Mine? I think? Mine, again? Unfortunately, it said very bad network. Well, unfortunately, that looks like um, the microphone's cut hello, out. Hello, for no. Kelso. Yeah. Well, in that case, Cade, it looks like we would have to do a second episode with Kelso in the future because I've got a happened. lot more questions to ask him. I've got to ask him about um, how to actually <laughs> go through the editing process of finding the good quality articles and how he um, sources his articles and how he hires new writers and how people can reach out to him if he um, if he's hiring more writers or if he's looking for more sources. How would you, if you want to become a journalist for CoinSpice, how would you how would you go about that? I think that lots of people would be interested in that. We didn't even get to do the Bitcoin price prediction yet because we always ask people what they think the price is going to be. And then we, we often talk about, uh, you know, the gold standard. So, No, he's back. He's back. Oh, he's back? Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I keep dropping out, and I, I honestly don't know why. But uh, to... Okay, uh, to, that's fine. Don't worry. It's, it's, to, it's the... Uh, it's California State's uh, <laughs> Wi-Fi network. <laughs> you know, I bet you're probably right. Uh, on the Facebook uh, Libra side and, and government regulation, um, I'm against it completely. I, I come from the other side of it, I guess, because uh, essentially I'm going to be arguing for a progressive business person who in Zuckerberg who you know loves regulation and and loves to tell us what to do with our lives. So it's a little I'm in a strange you know I have to defend the guy who probably hates my guts philosophically. So that being said. Um, I don't want I, I, I want Zuckerbergs of the world, even with their two billion leveraged users, to be able to experiment with this idea. Um, for my guys, it, it kind of shows how pernicious and insidious and petty uh, government regulators are and how worried they are about losing control of really what amounts to the juice, the the the, the grease that that wields the the state which we used to think were military and i i still definitely believe that but it's paying them you know uh people will happily go off and and kill or do whatever you'd like for you if if you can pay them and if you can somehow if 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 there's a 
a smart guy or gal out there that that can work around that. Um, even even you know now, I mean, crypto is really just a a drop in the ocean. I mean, we're not anywhere near a threat, and they're already talking like it could overturn the fight. And this isn't me, you know. You would expect me to say that, but these are supposedly learned <laughs> uh, statesmen saying this that it could upset uh, you know the entire financial system. Um, I I want that to be the case. Um, as far as the issues of migration and social order, that I think might, it, and here's where uh, I like to have it both ways, perhaps, um, that might just be beyond the purview of my experiment. So I would much rather just have the freedom and, you know, trust in <clears throat> the decent impulses of humanity to work it out rather than government regulators and trusting them <clears throat> would be where I, I guess that's kind of obvious, but where I come down on the side of things. So I have to defend Zuckerberg, which I don't like doing, and uh, whatever his machinations are. And at the same time, you know, concede your point, which is there could be something much more, you know, pernicious uh, at work here that I'm not seeing. But on, on the surface, uh, for sure, um, uh, I, I like the fact that a company like Facebook is dabbling in the crypto idea, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's a good idea, and uh, also, um, you know, they've they've tried so many different things. It, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't really matter. I mean, they've they've got teams and they've got a lot of money. They've got resources to throw at these right. things. They haven't really put too much time and energy into it, honestly, compared with what they could do. Um, I think they're just filling out the market process, and just like you mentioned earlier, though, like the United States is probably not the target market because things work really well in the United States in terms exactly. of transferring money already. Same in South Korea. I don't really think that. Um, crypto adoption here apart from for trading and speculative purposes is going to go very far uh, very soon because there's no real need like i can use my i can use my phone without having a card i can just go with my phone anywhere pay with kakao pay which is a qr system like ali alipay or right. i can even just use samsung pay and scan my phone on a on a on a point of sale devices and i don't need to take anything with me except my phone and my fingerprint. So I think yeah. that really developed financial um, infrastructures like South Korea and parts of America, I'm sure it's not like that in maybe the Midwest or some random Rust Belt state uh, place, but especially in developed cities in the United States, I'm sure that you don't really need to use cryptocurrency right now. And most of the, um, most of the use cases <coughs> for the developed economies are all right, let's trade, let's speculate, let's, um, let's make some some money on on yes. on betting on the future but the real need is in venezuela it's in developing economies it's in emerging markets like malaysia indonesia turkey things of that nature but this interview has been so awesome that the time has really gone along way more than i expected <laughs> it's already an hour and 45 so i need to transition now into more the um into the side of CoinSpice and the website itself, because it's a it's a news platform, but it, it's also a podcast. You've got a web tune on uh, on there, which is uh, pretty cool. So I'd like to talk to you a little bit about being the editor in chief of a growing cryptocurrency news website. Um, also, get your take on some of the other news websites, quote unquote news. Uh, I've worked in the crypto industry for a few years, and I found it difficult to get real news onto crypto sites. In many cases, some of the crypto sites want pay. Uh, they want paid promotions mm -hmm. so not naming names but 
probably the the most well known um news sites out there that run the big events in New York and in Singapore each year those two sites <laughs> they tend to um not really do any news coverage and they do lots of paid promotions that can be quite expensive that's kind of their business model now coinspice itself when i've checked it out it seems like it's just putting news out there how do you find out um your stories where do you get your sources from and how can you go in and could you go into a little bit about the editing process and how you decide which stories you're going to post which stories if you reject any and why do you, why you reject them that's a pretty big question so maybe we'll take it one at a time what's it like being the editor of uh, coinspice and then we'll we'll go deeper it's fantastic man coinspice.io is uh, is a feisty little pirate ship uh, it's our niche within a niche within a niche um we definitely focus on peer to peer electronic cash um our sources vary as you might expect uh we're partial to primary ones so uh we don't want to press release we want to talk to the people involved um th that being said we obviously have to deal in them uh for practical reasons uh we'd much rather look at the at the the, the specific house bill or government regulators um you know decree than than hear about it filtered um, so we, we go primary sources, uh, we do as much, you know, old traditional gumshoe journalism as we possibly can. And then, um, from there, it's all the ways that I think, you know, listeners would be, would be familiar, um, making a call. Um, it can be time consuming and, you know, sometimes being first isn't always best, uh, especially when we're competing with, the those larger New York based sites and some others where they have, you know, giant benefactors, financial benefactors, um, and they they have hedge funds behind them, you know, that puts us at a competitive disadvantage in one sense um, for, for churning and getting out news, but a slight advantage in the sense that we can name the names and we can be a little ribald and we can be a little blue and poke fun at people and have fun and, and uh, you know, tongue in cheek and so forth. Uh, but at the same time, you know, push through a, a serious message. So it's, it's a fantastic experience. Um, I love the people I work with and, and work for, and, uh, you know, it's, you get up every day and it, there's, we, we like to say we work on decentralized time. So, you know, I talk with people in Hong Kong, New York, uh, you know, Stuttgart, all the way down to Brazil. Well, if you ever need a, a career correspondent, you can hit me up and we'll Boom. talk about that later on. You Boom, know, for sure. I'm on the in South Korea. <laughs> Why not? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, what I, what I have to say, though, I really, um, you know, I use a lot of crypto aggregators for my news, but Coinspice is actually one of the sites I usually check out. And I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I definitely know that you get, it seems like you guys are a little bit more edgy. You're not afraid to put put it out there and even you personally on your own uh, twitter account can you talk a little bit about that maybe just giving people your real take and maybe even how it uh relates to your thoughts on maybe like political correctness or free speech or something like that yeah there's you know it, it's strange to be a journalist uh financial technology journalist a fintech writer and have a contempt for the industry uh, I, I, you know, pretend to represent, but I, I really do. 
Uh, journalism is not a thing. Uh, I want everybody to be a journalist, uh, everybody to get out there and write about things. And I want to hear their takes. Um, I get, uh, you know, more of my best stories from Telegram, uh, shit posters, uh, Reddit boards that no one's ever heard of, uh, than I will from some, you know, mucky muck from Wall Street who's a CEO. So, um, part of what CoinSpice does is sort of kicking down that almost in a, in a, in a noir sense, uh, that, that wall of pretend. And we try to be, you know, straight news when it's warranted and then, you know, call it an opinion piece when it's an an opinion piece or an op-ed. And then in our social media, um, avatars, uh, we're just encouraged, you know, to be ourselves. And yeah, I, I, I dislike, so I, I'm much more comfortable with someone who tells me straight up what their agenda is so much as, so far as they understand it. Um, I like proselytization. I'm, I'm, I, I don't trust someone who's not trying to sell me something. So I, I like the fact that someone's an advocate or a partisan and I want to get to know, you know, their opinion and talk to them about it. Um, w- what happens so often, it, it, it's this progressive idea that is, kind of wormed its way into uh, <clears throat> to crypto media now as you'll get these woke takes or, you know, outrage culture finds its way in and it's, it's stupid. It's, 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 it's killing the, the goose that laid the golden egg. It's, it's, it's kind of reimposing itself in, in this world uh, that is anarchistic, literally, you know, no, yeah, it's not. I, I have Go to ahead. jump in here. Like, talking to people in crypto or maybe you go to crypto conferences, that kind of stuff. Do you have any um, crazy stories about like woke-tivists or like issues you've had with that sort of issue? <laughs> they, they usually, they, they usually involve Roger Veer. And uh, so, you know, we, because I used to work there and you have to be careful with the incestuous nature of, of the business. And uh, you know, we've been accused of you guys are funded by Roger Veer and stuff. So, but, but when he, uh, so more recently, he, at first he was half joking, uh, saying that Elizabeth Stark of Lightning Labs was in a relationship with, uh, or might've been in a relationship with uh, Jack Dorsey of, of Twitter. Um, I, you know, he was, I think he was half tongue in cheek, just putting it out there. He was broing down on, on uh, ironically, one of our channels, uh, calling it like it is and having a great time and, and just kind of loose and, you know. It, it it got out into the mainstream, and so people started commenting, "Oh, that's ridiculous! That's so sexist!" And and Roger's import was Jack is so into lightning because of Elizabeth, not Elizabeth. You know, so they even got that part wrong as as they're one. So there's no charity when it comes to Roger, and then. People started chiming in with vile, and he's a sexist pig, and so, and so I watched it go on, and I said, "Man, if if we get involved in this, it's just, it's going to be all bad." And then I saw it go and go and go. I said, "You know what? This is why people come to Coinspice." So we took it on, and and we laughed at it. Uh, we gave Roger his due, and and uh, you know, p- put the criticism out there. You know, some people calling him horrible names. You know, we but you know, we took a side. We're just like, calm down. Uh, all the pearl clutching and the couch feigning 
it just becomes nauseating after a while. All right, yeah. I got to tell you this story. So this is actually the same conference where I met uh, Jeffrey Tucker. He actually set up my table for a couple sessions. But I was at Bitcoin Miami, and at the end of the conference, they said, uh, I think his name is Jeremy Gardner. He's like, Jeremy Gardner has been banned from the conference for his offensive presentation. And he was giving, uh, he showed a video about his the uh, Miami crypto house or something. And the problematic uh, por- portion of the two minute video was like him and some girls in bikinis dancing on a yacht. Yeah. And some woketivist complained and he's now banned from ever speaking at the conference again. And even um, a female colleague of mine, which Josh, who Josh also knows, she looked at me. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, that was nothing. But he got banned from ever speaking there again. So, like, what's going on? You know, I, I'm kind of with you on that on this. Yeah, we had uh, <laughs> we had a whole subject because Andreas Antonopoulos, who's, who's sort of a sainted figure and certainly someone who's uh, um, who's loved by the, by the space kind of universally. He came out against so-called booth babes. So if you're a concert, a concert, a conference a goer, you'll note that there are some booths that have these very Russians. attractive women there. <laughs> Lots of Russians. Lots of Russians, Eastern Europeans. Um, if you go uh, on my side of things, a lot of Latinas. Um, you know, and I'm I'm a dog. So the more you put that stuff in front of me, the more. Oh, God bless you for being here. I don't care that she can't. She has no idea what Bitcoin is. <laughs> she doesn't have to know. I'm just glad she's there. Just looking at these ugly, pasty, uneffable white guys I've had enough of. So it's nice to have this, you know, beautiful. I, I like being around women, you know, but anyway. Uh, so yeah, anyway, they're choosing um, to be there of their own volition. They're going to pay good money to be there. And you know what? Maybe she learns something and becomes involved in crypto. So, you know, Andreas has this. It's in his writer, his contract that he will not. And he's like booth babish or. He, he literally, they're not allowed to have it. They're not allowed to, where he speaks, they, this cannot go on. And so, uh, you know, I got a couple of uh, uh, girlfriends um, on a podcast we called, uh, just a one-off called Coin Spice and Chill. And uh, we talked about it. And these gals were hilarious. One of them was a little bit more on the woke side. And the other was just like freewheeling, you know, who gives an F? And it, like, I, I, I get that we have to kind of relive <clears throat> modern sensibilities within crypto but on the other hand it is it is annoying and it's it's exhausting and and you know there's so much to 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 talk about and and to deal with and so you know when when we get in when when that's transposed on you know crypto's racist and sexist and all this stuff um you know it's it's ridiculous to me but then again it is male it is white and it is, you know, <clears throat> I guess white and Asian, um, you know, <clears throat> I don't see it as a problem so much as I see it as let's open up to these other people without, <clears throat> I guess, sort of slapping on the back of the head, the other people who are already in it. So I, I just approach it differently than they do. But, you know, I would love to see more women in the space and and, and more quote unquote ethnic minorities. Um, you know, if, if, God forbid, if you're a black woman and you have any sort of acumen towards crypto, 
you're going to be making bank <laughs> because we want you, you know, we, we want, it's, it's the exact opposite of what the space is being accused of. Yeah, I so, agree. I mean, there's no one, there's no one telling women or minorities don't come to crypto conferences. Don't learn about it. Don't be a programmer. It just has nothing. There's no basis in reality for um, those feelings. You know what I mean? Like, you know, should so I complain? Far, yeah. Should I complain because 96% of preschool teachers are female? No, it's just the reality of the world, you know? Right. And, and I, I, you know, again, I, I want to see, you know, as a father of daughters, I, I want to see more women in the space. And I love to talk about the subject, but it just devolves into recriminations and, okay, well, we don't have to do, you know, this is a spontaneous space that kind of emerged and it's going to bring with it all of its old biases. But one of the great things about it is that it is permissionless and you can create inside of it. So uh, I've seen some really nice initiatives um, to focus on, you know, minority adoption. Um, uh, Hotep Jesus, who is uh, uh, kind of a, a phenomenon into himself now, <laughs> has kind of embraced... Uh, uh, the cryptocurrency idea has thrown some 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 recent debates. Uh, I love all that. Like, you know, Bitcoin Cash, especially if you want if if you want a real contrast, there's sort of the hodler Lambo mentality where everybody's waiting to get rich because number go up. Whereas Bitcoin Cashers definitely have all of that. But if we have a bias, it's it's towards so-called oppressed or dispossessed people. I'm using rabbit ear quotes as I say it. Um, and getting this technology to them. So it's the opposite of how it's usually framed um, in uh, in progressive circles. But uh, yeah, man, uh, it's woke culture is 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 a scourge, and I hope it exits just as quickly as it as it as it appeared. I, I mean. I mean, wouldn't you say that though, as a straight white male? Isn't that what you're supposed to say to oppress other people? <laughs> yes, of course. You know, and, 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 you know, we laugh at. Oh, I laugh at it. And I know you're teasing me. You know, there's some truth to it. You know, I mean, the, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like, you know, I I've had a fairly good relationship, as we spoke earlier, uh, with police. I cannot stand them as a general rule, but you know, it's, it's not because I was beaten or maced or anything. You know, I have an intellectual um, problem with their, their line of work, but you know, that, that may be a, a, a complete function of, of my ethnicity, um, and my relationship to the world. So I'm, I'm perfectly willing to concede that, but, or the fact that I even found crypto, but again, you're more describing it rather than prescribing it. So now we need to move on is, was kind of always my point. It's like, okay. And what? Well, you know, there's just too many white people here and there's, okay, that's enough. Like, you know, how are we going to solve it? Like, what are you going to do rather than make everybody feel terrible and, and you know, stamp out sexism, which isn't going to happen and so forth. So I'd, I'd rather see the booth babe there. I'd rather see Hotep Jesus with the booth babes. You know, I'd rather see everybody there. It would be my point. Yeah, definitely. I think we can go down this political rabbit hole all day. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, the boot babe thing is like, Andreas, if you don't want to look at the girls, don't look at them. You know, maybe he's uh, he had bad dating experiences in the past. I'm not, I don't know. I did. I know I liked his books, but man, uh, it's blown by here. But we've already done two hours. We can keep talking forever. But I think Ooh. this is a good place to wrap it up at. Yes, sir. And let's do another one soon, because actually, we've got a lot more to get into. We've got... Um 
the BTC price prediction, your thoughts on <laughs> gold. We also have um, more interesting stuff about CoinSpice that I want to get into later, but we'll have to wrap it up for today because it's definitely too long at this point. But it was been a great episode, so thanks for coming on very much, Kelso. I really appreciate it. Um, how could people contact you and where's your Twitter so that people can follow you on Twitter? Very cool. Josh Cade, loved it. Flew by. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Uh, you can reach me, of course, at coinspice.io. At Twitter, it's at CryptoKelso, C-R-Y-P-T-O-K-E-L-S-O. Um, that's how you'll find me. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Loved it. Definitely. Oh, and, we'll, and we'll put all these uh, links and uh, website and everything in the show notes. So that'll wrap it up for us today. And until next time, we'll see you guys on the dark, the dark side. side. Of, of the, the huddle, huddle move. Move. Thank you for joining us on Dark Side of the Hoddle Moon. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Also, be sure to join our Telegram group, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and follow us on BitChute and YouTube, where you can find all the episodes as well as highlights from previous episodes. You can also visit us at darksideofthehoddlemoon.com. Hoddle Moon!